0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. You're
1: with me in your Bibles to the book of First Corinthians chapter 16. Just verse 9, uh, let's do verse 8 and 9, I'll explain some of the early portions of the scripture. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians through a letter that he wrote to that church about his future travel intentions. He was going to spend the winter with the people of Corinth, but he tells them that first, here in verse 8, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. If you would read that ninth verse from the Revised Standard Version, you would find that it reads this way, A wide door for effective work has been opened to me. A wide door of effective work has been opened. I've entitled the message this morning, The Land of Beginning Again. This is New Year's. We have talked about resolutions, and some of you have made some. Some of you, like me, probably only made one, that is, you resolved not to make any, because you, like me, probably knew that you would not to keep them even if you did make them. But we always seemingly think of the beginning of a year as a time of a new beginning, an opportunity to, to make some decisions that uh, will lead our lives in a different direction than perhaps the past year has has seen us do. A poet by the name of Parkington wrote something that I think probably says what all of us like to say. He wrote these words, I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. Our mistakes, and all our heartaches, and all our poor, selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby coat at the door and never put on again. And I wish that. I wish that all my mistakes this last year, all my heartaches, would simply be just shut off like a dirty coat and step into a new year with all those things gone and never have to put them on again. But I realize that even if we would do that, that we would find new coats that we would call heartache and selfishness and pride and mistakes and sin, that we would have on before the year's over, and next year we will wish the same thing, that we could take off the old dirty coats and put on a new one. Well, in a sense, there is a manner in which we can do that, that we can resolve to start afresh, anew, new decisions, new plans, new intentions because we have had a door open for us that we can go through. We can make those decisions as we enter the door of a new year and resolve honestly and sincerely to make those decisions that will not find us a year from now wishing that we could go again to the land of beginning again. We all have a desire to do better. I have never heard anyone state that his resolution was to be bad this year. Or to take up some habit that is undesirable. I have never heard anyone resolve never to go to church this year. Never to say a bad word never to give any more money to the church. Those things don't seem to enter our mind. It is a desire to do and to be better. To find a place where we could start all over again and forget the past and do nothing but look forward to a fresh slate. We look for the utopia, where Life will always be happy. And everybody lives happily ever after, but we know that that's fairy tale. We're not going to find it in this life. We're probably looking for that goose that laid the golden egg, and some of us would like to find with postillion the fountain of youth. where well, we would never grow older, where the goose will always provide us with plenty of money we can sell those golden eggs and have lots of things a land where we would live happily ever after a land of beginning again and I think we ought to consider that there comes a time in our lives when we can make that decision for a fresh start a new beginning And perhaps even like Paul, we can say, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. But he concluded that verse in Philippians in the third chapter by saying, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have to have a goal. Something to strive for if we're going to begin again. If we're going to make a change in our pattern of life, we have to decide what is it we want. What are we going to do this year that will achieve in our lives what our goal is? The past is totally gone. You cannot go back even though you might strive with all your energies to go back and correct a single thing that has happened in 1990 or before. It has already passed. The sins that we have committed are all over. The heartaches that we have had might still be lingering, but the act is past. We can only look forward to something in the future. But do you know, the past is gone and the future will never be. We only have now, today, the moment in which we're living. If we want to make a new beginning, it means the changing of now. We must do it today. Jesus pointed that out in the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter, when he said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man worketh. What was he saying? I only have now to achieve what God sent me to achieve. I can't do it tomorrow, I only do it today. And we must get out of that frame of vine like scarlet O'Hara and gone with the wind, and when she was always going to think about it, she would do it tomorrow. Well there is no such thing as tomorrow. It's only today. Paul said to the Corinthians over in the sixth chapter of 2nd Corinthians, behold now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. I've heard it stated so many times, I'm not ready yet. Tomorrow, next week, next year, I'm going to become a Christian. Tomorrow, next week, next year, I'm going to start doing things better. Tomorrow, next week, next year, I'm going to start going to church. Tomorrow, 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 we put our things into into the future. We understand that maybe we can get rid of the past to some degree and turn our attentions on tomorrow, but I want to suggest to you that all we have is today. Someone by the name of John Oxham wrote a little thing. It says this, but once I passed this way and then no more, but once then the silent door swings on its hinges, <laughs> opens, closes, and no more I pass this way. So while I may, while with all my might I will assay sweet comfort and delight to all I meet upon the pilgrim way. For no man travels twice the great highway that climbs through darkness up to light through night to day. Yes, that's all we have, is the next step. The one beyond that does not come until we have taken that first step. It is today, and that's all we have. I would suggest to you two basic things. One, that you reflect on yesteryear for a little bit, for the purpose of seeking God's forgiveness of all that which transpired that was against his will. That you seek peace today with him for all of the past. That you seek peace with brother and sister, friend and neighbor, saint and sinner. Set things right today and then forget the past, except to use it as a building block, a stepping stone for a better tomorrow. And secondly, I would suggest that you not be worrying about the future. Not to say that we ought not plan and make preparations for it, but that it ought not to be an obsession with us in that we are going to do something better tomorrow tomorrow. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 in that very famous Sermon on the Mount, take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Be interested and concerned in making decisions and living uh, decisions today. Build upon what was wrong from yesterday and intend for it to be better tomorrow but do it. Today. That's the pattern of life that the scripture establishes for. Now we're not saying that as one does this, that everything's going to become easy. You know, one of the mistakes that many people make in becoming a Christian is thinking that now that I am a Christian, everything's going to be easy. Some of you have discovered that after you became a Christian, you faced the most difficult trials in all of your life. Do you know why? when you were not saved, sinning uh, didn't seem to matter. But listen, a sinner cannot, uh, let, me, uh, let me repeat this, uh, correct that, I made a mistake. A Christian cannot sin without trauma. A Christian will be bothered by his sin or her sin. It may feel good and sound good and look good while one is doing it. But when the Christian has sinned and he looks back upon his sin, there is trauma, there is regret, there is agony, there is pain, and there's remorse. And he says, why, oh, why did I do that? then he resolves to never do it again as he asks God for forgiveness. That's the pattern for the Christian to live as he faces a new year. I will not ever suggest to you that being a Christian is easy. I would suggest to you that being a Christian is very tough because it requires him to always fight Against the efforts of the devil to overcome him and pull him back and distract him and take him away from God's service. If we were not in God's service, the devil wouldn't have to worry too much about us, would he? That he wants to take away from what God has. Paul said, forgetting those things which are before, he said, I press... Those things are forward. Press is a statement of activity. It carries the idea of what an athlete does when he works so hard in order that he might win the race or the game. Why would these high school boys Go out on a football field and run around and around that track until they nearly drop and bang into each other and really work at it. What are they getting out of it? They're getting a little trophy that says, you did it, you're successful. That's all. But it's worth it. Why does a person train and train to climb a high mountain? For no other reason than just to get to the top. So I want to ask a mountain climber why he did it. He said, because it's there. We strive and strive just because there is a God to serve. He's asked us to do it, that's all. Just to hear somebody say someday, Well done, you good and faithful servant. We stand somewhat at a crossroads, or let me put it in perspective of what I want to say today we stand in the doorway. And our choice is ours to step through the door or to close it and not go through. We can simply drift along here in 1991 and take it easy. The end of the year had nothing to show for our lives. The Lord gave us a parable of a master who sent three servants out into the world with different sums of money. He said to these servants, I'm going to take a trip. While I'm gone, I want you to take my money and make use of it. And when I come back, I'm going to Have you given account? When he came back, he called his servants and said to the one, All right, give an account, and he received five talents. He said, Lord, I took that which you gave me, and I went out, and I gained five more. I can give back to you ten. He said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Another one had three. And he said, Lord, I took what you gave me and I used it and I multiplied it and it was productive and I I gained 100%. I can give you back six. Well, good. Good and faithful servant. And one came in and he said, Lord, you just gave me one and I was afraid that I might lose it and so I buried it. Here, I'll give it back to you. The end of the year and no evidence Of anything being done with that which the Lord had given. And the Lord to the Master was angry and he took that one away from the person to whom he had given it and he gave it to the one who had gained five because he knew he'd use it. The Lord has given us time, abilities of all kinds, finances, So much has come our way, and all he says to us is, during 1991, I want you to use what I gave you, so that I can have some benefit from it. And we stand in the door of decision to decide, will we or won't we use our lives this year to gain for God. Our Lord. I want to suggest that there are five doors, five names we could give to the door in which we stand. And it's our choice as to what we do with the opportunity. 1991 is wide open for us. First of all, I think the door could be called forgiveness. We need to step through it because our past sometimes causes us causes us to regret that which took place and we need to have a fresh start by pausing at the beginning of a new year and praying to God with all our heart and say, Lord, 1990 wasn't too good a year the way I used it. I'm not sure that there was much benefit came to you from my life this past year. I probably wasn't very faithful I want you to forgive me. Wipe my slate clean and let me start anew for 1991. Secondly, there is the door of faith. Some of us perhaps do not realize the value that faith plays in our lives. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews outlines so very uh, well, the position that faith played in so many of the great people of the Bible, both, particularly the Old Testament, both men and women. We must remember that Paul said to the Romans in the eighth chapter that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. All things. Now let's take those tragedies of 1990 or before. Let's let's take the difficulties of not enough money, uh, of sickness, and many people in this congregation have faced those issues this past year. And sometimes we have a tendency to look at our lives and, and look inwardly and say, oh, miserable me. But the Lord can take those miseries, those tragedies, those losses, those lacks of things such as money and, and all the other jobs and so on that come our way, and in the hands of God, in the light of the person who loves him, He can take that event and make something good out of it in the life of that very same person. Do we believe that? The door of faith is open for us to take God at His Word. You can put Him to the test if you want to by doing your part. Believing with all your heart that God works in your life and in mine. Thirdly, I would suggest that we could call the door the door of spiritual power. For most of us, maybe, at least some of us, we would find ourselves standing on the threshold of a new door without too much spiritual power within us. We know we've been saved with the power of the Lord. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, but we haven't been filled too well. Sort of like our lives have been empty of the power of the Spirit of God. We can be filled to overflowing. Brother Dillard mentioned this morning in his testimony. He was filled to overflowing by the tears of Becky. At a point when she thought perhaps she was being less than successful, she was being used To bless other people's lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we yield ourselves to him, we can be filled with his power that will overflow our lives and influence those around us. We have that opportunity this year. Will your life overflow so that somebody else's life can be blessed? That's the question we've got to. Solve as we walk through that door. Fourthly, there's the door of the opportunity to witness. This is the door that Paul talked about when he said there was a door of effective witnessing for him in Ephesus. And he was going to stay there till Pentecost to do it. If each one of us would do what Brother Don said this morning in the opening part of the Sunday school service, each one bring one win one, what a blessing there would be. Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 4, pray that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak, The mysteries of Christ. Maybe we ought to pray as we stand in our door this morning that God would open to us the opportunity to witness and be active in our searching for those people during our walk of life in 1991 to whom we need to witness. And then lastly, to some, this could be the door to eternal life. To those who have never said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'm the door, the way and the truth and the life. In another place, John 10:9, he said, I am the door, and by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. If you are not a Christian, you are standing in an open doorway. And Jesus said, I am that doorway. But you've got to enter in. Change sides of the door. Get on the inside by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. You can do that. And should certainly do it. But remember, we can only do it today. yesterday is past and tomorrow is not here. Today is the day of decision. Or as the Billy Graham campaign uses, it's the hour of decision. I think we could bring it down to the minute of decision. All you have is this one moment in time to walk through the door. Let us pray.